What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better Now podcast. I'm your host, Life Coach Zach. Uh, this is a very, uh, how do I say it? This is a this is an interesting podcast. Uh, to all those people out there, uh, honestly, this podcast, I don't even know what to say. I'm at a loss for words. It was, uh, you know, as the interviewee, I'm supposed to ask a lot of questions and I'm supposed to get good answers. Then we're supposed to dive deeper into those answers. Uh, but this guy, Paul Check, he loves to talk, loves to talk. And it was very hard for me to interject. It was very hard for me to stop him and ask another question. And I wanted to be very respectful because this is a guest that I really wanted to get on the podcast. I tried to get him on the podcast a year and a half ago. He said no. I asked him again, probably nine months ago. And he said, yes. And this has been on my calendar for a couple months now. And I was really looking forward to it. And honestly, um, until the conversation pivoted to the elite and the mass media and why they're trying to control us, the conversation was very hard to understand. He does not explain things very simply. Okay. Now listen, very smart dude. I have a ton of respect for the guy. He is extremely successful. He does a lot of amazing things. I love a lot of his YouTube videos. Uh, I started to listen to his podcast. Really cool guy. Really, really cool guy. Got nothing bad to say about him. But in this interview, he he was just elaborating on things and articulating his thoughts. And they were tough for the simple average Joe to understand. Now, I'm not calling my listeners simple average Joes. All you guys care about your personal growth. You care about your self-development. You care about becoming better people. Uh, and that is why his intricate and complex answers are were tough. I'm just going to say it simply. They were not serving. It, it, was, it was very hard to understand. So with that in mind, I'm going to give you guys the heads up. I'm going to give you guys the heads up now that uh, his stories are very long. And they intertwine in so many different ways that it's tough to take what he says and apply it to your life. However... If you do want to fast forward to minute 30 or so, I don't know exactly the minute where we start talking about it, the conversation pivots to the mass media. The conversation pivots to politics. And the conversation pivots to uh, control of the uber-wealthy elite. And uh, I don't really give much of my opinion on it. You know, a lot of people would call these conspiracy theories, Right. Because at the end of the day, that's what they are, because there's not a lot of proof that a lot of these uber wealthy elite people like George Soros or Bill Gates or Bill Clinton, um, uh, Rothschild, you know, the people that own CNN, the people that own Fox News, right? There's no proof that a lot of these things are true, um, but I don't write them off. I don't write them off, right? Anything is possible. If you watch House of Cards, if you watch you know, any of these politic, uh, politics movies or drama series on Netflix or Hulu or HBO, uh, I believe that our government is corrupt, right? I, I know there are, you know, people in our government that are not there for the right reasons. You know, they're not actually public servants, right? They're, they're private servants and, and, they're, and they're serving themselves and they're, and they're serving the people that are giving them money. We, we know this, right? I'm not, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. Um, but this podcast is not about conspiracy theories. This podcast is not about politics. And this podcast is not what Bill Gates is doing with his money. I do not care what Bill Gates does with his money. Okay? Now, if he's using his money for bad things, which is what Paul Check is going to claim, that's not cool, Bill Gates. Right? But at the end of the day, Bill Gates is not in front of me. 
Bill Gates doesn't live near me. Actually, he kind of does. He lives in Wellington. It's not too far from me. Um, but, you know, I'm focused on myself, man. You should be focused on yourself. You should be focused on your diet. You should be focused on what health protocols you should uphold. You should make the choice if you want to get vaccinated. Okay? Do not worry about other people's opinions. If other people are going to hate on you because you got vaccinated... Or if other people are going to hate on you because you don't believe in the vaccine, fuck them. Okay? I am not leaning one way or the other. Okay? So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. The first 25 minutes is just him talking. Uh, I wasn't able to get into a lot of questions. And I tell him at minute 25, hey, Paul, listen, we've been on the podcast now for 25 minutes and I've only asked one question. Okay? So this is uh, this is an interesting podcast. You know, I, I'm going to publish it. I'm going to publish this podcast because Paul Check, he, he's he's a popular dude. He's got a lot of followers. He's got a loyal following. And this is going to be an episode that's going to help build my credibility as a podcaster for sure. Okay. But again, this po- this podcast is not about politics. It's not about the media. It's not about what the uber rich wealthy people are doing with their money. I do not care what they're doing with their money. I don't believe anything that's on the news. And I'm not worried about other people's opinions. And neither should you. Okay. Do not worry about other people's opinions because their opinions do not pay your bills. Let's get to the episode. First thing I want to say is thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to hop on the Live Better Now podcast. If you don't know much about the podcast, this is all about mental health, mindset, personal growth, and self-development. Yeah, I myself uh, run Ironman triathlons and I do a lot of yoga. And even though I have not gotten into rock stacking yet... Uh-huh. Uh, for Mother's Day, I purchased my mom this little rock stacking kit. And oh, great. Yeah, yeah. So we were doing a little bit of rock stacking together, and uh, we were being super mindful. And So, I, you know, as I was telling her about it, I'm not super prevy on, like, the benefits. I'm, I'm sure it's very, like, therapeutic and things like that. But I saw an Instagram video of, of you, and you were hosting a retreat. And you yeah. were at this rock stacking arena, which I've seen in a couple of your YouTube videos. Can you tell us a little bit about rock stacking? Yeah, rock stacking is something that my soul started me on uh, in 2006, I believe. And it happened, you know, I grew up on a farm, a big farm on Vancouver Island, and and the farm had piles of rocks, which damaged plows and rakes and farm equipment. So whenever we weren't busy, you know, taking care of animals and fixing fences and everything else, my father just put us in the field to pick rocks and we literally would have so many rocks. It was like a five foot wall of rocks around the field because there was that many rocks. And I used to hate it. It was be pissing rain and cold and just, it's just nasty, hard grunt work, you know? And so it, a funny thing happened. I, I, I really love Rumi's poetry and I've been studying it for many, many years, even at that point. And I was looking for a master of Rumi's teachings to help me, shall we say, embody the poetry and, and live it and and get a deeper interpretation that I could with my Western mind trying to read, you know, translations of Persian poetry because there's always something lost in translation. And so I started calling around to, you know, various authors that were experts on Rumi and... Um, I kept striking out, and then I got one who had published the Mothwane, which is about a 40,000-poem collection, and he said he didn't do that kind of thing with people. Then my next 
step was Coleman Barks, who is one of the most famous translators of Rumi's poetry and puts it to music and does beautiful stuff. And I managed to have a conversation with him. And in the middle of the conversation, he says, Paul, what do you do for fitness? I said, well, I teach health and fitness and I teach weightlifting and I, you know, own uh, an institute. And, and so I, I'm always doing fitness. He goes, well, I lift rocks and I make things out of stone. And something happened into me where all of a sudden I realized rocks. Wow. I need to get back to lifting rocks. And I remembered, you know, how challenging it was to carry these things and how slippery they were and everything else, you know. And so I, I just went out and bought a huge dump truck load of rocks from a guy close by that had been expanding his property and had a pile of rocks sitting there he wanted to get rid of. So for 220 bucks, I got one of these monster semi-truck dump truck loads of rocks. And, and I just started playing and creating things. And so, you know, I just wanted to share how that started. But then what happened is, you know, through the process... I learned a lot about myself. You know, rock stacking can be very dangerous. I've smashed fingers and just exploded them like grapes. It's a miracle that they've healed up. I've gotten bad cuts. I've been hit on the head and, and had the hell knocked out of me. Um, I've had, you know, big bruises. Rocks have fallen from the top, hit my thigh and contused my my muscles and bones. and And so... What I found is every single time that something happened to me like that, I was letting my ego push to try to force something to make it bigger or to okay. try to push the edges beyond what was obviously safe or I wouldn't have got hurt. Right. Or I found that I was in a hurry because a lot of times I'd be stacking rocks when I was later at my heaven house office, I had a rock stacking area there. So I might have, you know, an hour, but by the time I'd get changed, get out there, then I have to come back and shower. I really only about a half an hour. So I would try to kind of complete something really? in a half an hour. So this urgency of time pressure would ultimately cause me to go faster than I could go and do the level of detailed work and awareness to make sure each rock was perfectly positioned so that the sure. stack was stable makes sense. And so some of the first things I learned is, is that um, an ego is very, very dangerous. I call them the stone Buddhas because they're ruthless teachers. They always tell you the truth about yourself and you have to take responsibility for any choices that you make. There's no escaping. We can use the word karma, action, reaction, right? Um, and so I, I realized that you know, that even at that stage of my life, even when I started in 2007, I'm 61 now, so I don't know how long ago that was. I was probably in my 40s. And you'd think by the time I was in my 40s that, that the ego would have sort of softened up a bit. But here I am kind of doing the same mistakes I see, you know, 25-year-old men doing. And so I learned, okay, I got to really pay more attention to, you know, when I'm trying to force a square peg in a round hole. Right. And so that slowed me down. And then I also realized that I can't force things into a time slot. I have to learn to just do what I can do really well in a given number of minutes. Mm. And instead of always having this urge to complete, to complete, I have to yeah. give myself the space to take things in stages. Right. So I, re I really learned that I had to watch the ego and be very conscious of the ramifications of letting that be my guide. And then I had to learn that I had to work with time and not compress time or force time.
then I learned, I, I created a, a saying for all my students. I say, you, you never rush in a rock garden because you can get hurt badly or killed, especially when you're lifting big rocks. You can easily get killed. Uh, I, I had a 40-plus pound rock once fall off a stack because I have to build steps out of stone. I don't. I try to avoid using ladders, and I don't use any kind of protective on, any gear on my hands or feet because I want it to be honest. And so I have to build big steps. So some of these things are 14, 15 feet high. So I build steps out of stone, and I have to carry these heavy rocks up these steps. And sometimes I have to actually climb the stack. Wow to get higher. So you have to have it balanced perfectly or you'll knock it over. But the most dangerous time is when you're pulling the step stones away. Cause if you bump the stack and rattle it, the top stone can come off. And Yikes. sure enough, one day I, I, I was just going too fast, pulling a great big 250, 300 pound stone away that I was using as a step stone. It hit the base. Right. And fortunately it was sunny out and out of the left corner of my left eye, I saw something flying and my immediate reaction was to move my head uh -huh. and the capstone, which was probably about eight, six, eight inches across and about a foot and a half to two feet high. I mean, a good 40 plus pound stone mm -hmm. went right past my head, hit my shoulder, almost Man. dislocated my shoulder, bounced off, hit my thigh, contused it right to the bone. And then it bounced off my thigh and hit my right heel and cut the whole heel pad right off so that the entire half of my heel was hanging down and blood was gushing out. You could see yeah. the Achilles tendon and the bone. And so, you know, I, I tell my students, you, you must remember, we must never rush in a rock garden because mm -hmm. these are the kinds of things that happen. And when you got 40, 50, 60 people in one area, a lot of them with overinflated egos and, and haven't right. learned these things, you have to be very careful, which is why I do a lot of harmonizing with them, chanting, singing, uh, making music with stones yeah, to get them to function like a beehive. And, and I've never had a single person get injured because of that. But the point I'm leaning to is I say to them, do you understand what I mean? Never rush in a rock garden. And of course they say yes. And I say, okay, now I have a more important question for you. How big is the rock garden? Some of them look around and naturally say, well, it's, you know, from here to here. And they're looking at my rock stacking area. I say, no, we have a physiosphere. We have a biosphere. We have a noosphere, which is the sphere of mind. And we have a theosphere, which is the sphere of beliefs about the divine or the myths that we believe in. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to ask you again, rocks are the physiosphere. How big is the physiosphere? And most people get it right. They go, well, the entire universe. I go, there you go. Yeah. So remember this rule that I'm teaching you in this rock garden, never rush in a rock garden, Right. applies everywhere you're on this planet because most buildings, mountains, rocks, everything around here is physical. That's true. So you can hurt yourself in life because you're not paying attention and you're rushing not realizing that you're in a physiosphere which is based on rock the foundation of everything on this planet is stone the foundation of houses and buildings is stone so when you look at what we're doing with mass which is energy encapsulated or entangled we have to say how are we the point i'm making is what you learn in the rock garden when you say okay where am i doing this in the rest of my life you see it all over the place right exactly so you, no, that's well said. And sorry to cut you off there, but I got a bunch of questions for you. And, and and I feel like you'll talk for the next 45 minutes if I don't cut you off. That was 
a great answer, and a lot can be learned from the rock garden. And it, it, yeah, and I, I I don't mind going a little longer if you no, need I'm, to. No, I'm sure I'm sure you I'm sure you will. And, and I got a lot of questions for you, and I want to I want to ask them. And uh, you know, yeah, when you were telling that story about a lot of the lessons that your students and yourself have learned from the rock garden, you explained that you know don't rush things. Right. Let's yeah. kind of be in flow. Let's not let our ego get the best of this because because the, these rocks are fucking heavy. And if they fall on us, you know, we, we can lose a limb or two, potentially die. Yeah. I think yeah. of the Abraham Lincoln quote, if you give him four hours to cut down a tree, he's going to spend the first three hours sharpening the saw where most people, they're just going to start freaking sawing at this tree, sawing at this tree, sawing at this tree. Hey, right. Let's take a step back. Let's take a deep breath. Let's use our brain for just a second. <laughs> just a second. <laughs> Let's use our brain for just one second. Let's think before we act or well, most people don't do thinking before they speak. Let's think before we speak and let's proceed accordingly. Just to interject there, there's an old saying from England that's very powerful. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yeah. No, that's w well said. You know, we got to you know, kind of just get our shit in order before we start taking action on things and you know as someone I, you know i did a lot of research on you paul I, I, like i was <laughs> like i was telling uh the lovely lady that was on here before that's penny my wife before like i was telling penny um one of my really good friends uh that i've met through the internet i've never met him in real life but we have a lot in common he is a huge fan of yours and he mm. put me on to you about three years ago and i've been following you ever since and cool. uh you know tell all the people that are listening that don't know much about paul if you didn't really listen to the intro um, Paul is a holistic health expert. That is just like macro level, bird's eye view, right? It's all about movement, flexibility. Uh, you talk a lot about your check life process, alchemy, air, fire, earth, and water, kinesiology, yeah. the success formula. There's a lot of things that go into your approach in teaching about health. However, yes. on this podcast, which is all about mindset, mental health, personal growth, and self-development, I want to take a different angle. I want to take a different approach. Here. I want to talk about the mental side of things. Now, I watched a YouTube video of yours, and you, it was recently. You uploaded it seven days ago, and it was about air. And it was about yeah. breath. And yes. it's, it's so ironic that breath work has finally become mainstream because instead of learning yeah. you know, AP calculus in high school, maybe they should teach us how to breathe every once in a while because as <laughs> humans, we breathe too shallow. We breathe out of our mouth a lot of times. But we're supposed to breathe out of our nose. Now, this is very simple, but very elementary, right? And I know you can dive a lot deeper into this. Right? Well, let me tell you a fact about breathing Please. that I'll, I'll, I'll share with you. The average human being breathes 25,900 breaths a day. Do you remember where that number also shows up? Where? That's how long it takes our sun to make one lap of the 12 constellations of the zodiac. So just like we have a, a, an annual cycle of one year, whenever we make it one revolution around the sun, our sun's great year is 25,900 years through which we go through each of the constellations of the zodiac that affect us psychically. We all know that when Mercury's in retrograde, it's problems with computers and bad banking transitions and everything else. So we, we, we know the moon moves the tides of the whole earth and without it, we'd be dead. So what I'm saying is, we make one lap through all the forces in our galaxy that are acting on us psychically. And that number is stepped down mm -hmm. as a fractal in our breathing pattern. Interesting. Now, my next question, intuitively, I want to say, 
Do you think that's a coincidence? But I'm not going to ask that question. I'm not going to ask that well, question. Well, the answer is no. <laughs> we, will be here. we will be here forever if I ask no, that the answer, the answer is just no. The answer it's is not a coincidence. Yeah, coincidences do not exist in life. But let's get to the first topic of, of breathing and yeah. how important the breath is and how the, the people that are listening to this podcast, they can learn one thing about breath work and take it and apply it to their life. So tell us a little bit more about this uh, Check Life Process Alchemy. And I want you to... I want you to Hone in on the air portion of this. Yes. Okay. So Czech life process alchemy is built on the alchemical concept that the elements are what make life. So to, to make this very easy to understand for Please. your listeners, we're all familiar with the concept of chi, which means in English, life force energy, which is also called prana and many other things in different cultures from mana to otic force, etc. And this is the breath. Prana is the breath. Prana is the life force energy that's in air. Okay. Okay. So it's very, very powerful. It's a, if I had more time, I could teach you how to feel it and show you some wild things about prana. Okay. But it's prana is the charge that we get from the, deep breaths that we get from oxygen. Okay. And so it's a very, very strong stimulating effect. I could give you the whole science of it, but it would take too long. Okay. But anyhow, prana is a form of chi. It's a form of life force energy. It's not the direct equivalent. There's many types of chi, but prana is one of them. So the word chi in Chinese, if you look it up in a Chinese dictionary, means steam. Okay, so step number one in understanding alchemy is ask yourself the question, if life force energy is the equivalent of steam in nature, because Chinese medicine was based on how nature works. It's not a typical medical system it's nature based so if you say okay what does it take to make steam well you have to have earth because the pot has to be made of something clay steel whatever that comes from the earth right you have to have water to put into it you have to have a fire to heat it up and if you don't have atmosphere or air there's nothing for the steam to rise in mm -hmm. so what the chinese uh practitioners of chinese alchemy and the chinese healing arts found thousands of years ago is that you could not have life force energy without the interaction of earth, water, fire, and air. And there's no way you can be alive without those four elements. If you had no earth, you'd have no body. If you had no fire, you'd have no metabolism. If you had no air, you'd have no breath. And if you had no water, you'd have no capacity for connection, emotion, feeling, etc. cetera. Uh, you, you know, you're 99.9% water by molecular count so you're really a bag of water that's conscious walking around on the planet with a little bit of earth fire and air added to it so the first point is the alchemists realized that these elements were not just physical things one of the ways they found this out is they they begin to notice a long long time ago you know potentially two thousand years ago that whenever they were doing experiments and they had things like chemicals inside of glass containers and they were heating them up and trying to convert things like lead to gold, that depending on what their mental emotional state was, the chemical reactions would behave differently. So if they were doing something with a given chemical combination and they were happy, it had a very different effect than when they were emotionally disturbed or angry. So they begin to realize somehow their psyche is being projected into these material forms. So the alchemists came to realize that the elements are not just physical things, that they're ranges of vibration. So just like you have a rainbow and red is the slowest moving light and violet 
is the fastest moving light, mm -hmm. and each of them produces a color frequency, which is a band of energy. Earth is the slowest moving. Water is the second slowest moving. Air is the second to the fastest, and fire is the fastest. So the alchemists saw that fire was what created the divine impulse or the desire to live, and that all things emerge from fire. Our earth came from the sun. It came from fire. Stars are balls of fire. They're the creative agents that create. Ultimately, yeah. they're what makes galaxies, planets, and everything, and moons. Okay. So, so what you see is that you look at these things as ranges of vibration. So fire steps down to air, which is mind. So first, the divine impulse has this will to experience itself. Then it looks into itself creating a subject-object relationship, and it's looking at itself going, ah, this is me. Now you have the duality that makes mind, but in order to feel itself, it steps itself down into the water element, which is the range of vibration that produces our emotions, all of which is embodied in flesh, which is the earth element. So earth represents any kind of embodiment. Water represents the flow of spirit, emotion, or anything that flows. You can take ice, heat it up, and it becomes water. You can freeze it and it becomes earth. If you heat it up high enough, it'll become a plasma or a gas. It'll become air, atmosphere. It'll, you can, you can, um, you can um, uh, evaporate it into the atmosphere so water can become air. And if you heat that gas up enough, it'll become plasma and jump up another level, which is part of the fire element. So uh, the key thing to understand is that we're not just talking about air that you breathe or fire that you cook with or water that you drink or earth that you make things out of, you're talking about the range of vibration in which spirit steps itself down into form. So to understand that, remember, matter is spirit moving slowly enough that you can interact with it. Mm -hmm. Alchemy tells you the stages of how that energy converts Not from something that's moving so fast it's unconscious right. to something that's tangible. Uh-huh. The air element happens to correlate to the frequency that our mind operates at. So you're th just like you have a heartbeat, electrocardiograms pick it up. You can pick up your thoughts with an electroencephalogram. So the frequency that mind operates at in the alchemical model is the air element range of frequency. Okay? So... Whenever you're thinking, it produces an emotion, which is, so if you're thinking angry thoughts, it causes your water to boil, metaphorically, and you have very strong emotions, and your emotional reactions can actually take your mind over. And however you're thinking and feeling is immediately projected out of your body as your expressions, your postures, your gestures, and your actions. And all of that is the divine fire looking into itself, but if you're angry, you're consuming a lot of metabolic fire or energy. Someone who's angry all the time is going to have a huge amount of uh, metabolic emotional activity because they're going to be in a sympathetic fight or flight state all the time. That's going to speed their breathing up because the more fire you generate to match your mind, the more energy it consumes like a fire. The bigger the fire, the faster it consumes wood. So when you are in a fear state or a charged emotional state, you're typically going to see the ventilation rate, the breathing rate, rise up to try to match the need for fire, which then fire displaces water. So you get a huge amount of emotional movement, and eventually what happens is it'll burn your emotions out 
and you go from anxiety to depression and your body will wear out because you're so sympathetically overstimulated all the time, you, you don't have time to regenerate and repair your body because that's governed by the water element. That's the element that restores. So daylight is fire and nighttime is water. That's the, the moon time. That's when we're under in our, our anabolic parasympathetic system links to the water element. The sympathetic fight or flight system links to the fire element. The mind is what's making the choices and the body is what's getting the benefits or the punishments. Right. Okay. So it's been 25 minutes. I've only asked you one question. I got a couple more questions. I want to, I want no, to take, 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 take as much time as you need. I want to give you the answers Thank you want. You. I appreciate it. And these are very intricate, complex, detailed answers with a lot of context. And I know my audience is going to appreciate that. So now we, when we think of this check life process alchemy, air, fire, earth, and water. Yes. And we break it down and they're really just spiritual. I don't want to call them things, spiritual yeah. things, right? There's, there's life behind air. There's that, that's the whole point of it, right? Life yeah. behind air. There's life yeah. behind earth. There's life behind fire. There's life behind water, right? And when we look at these things and when we use these things to cook our food, when we use these things to rehydrate, and when we use these things to just stay alive through, through the breath, we need to be more conscious of the fact that they have a lot more power than their chemical makeup, right? Yes, yes. Yes, exactly. Question. So let me ask this question. Okay. So what connects the spiritual part of air and the actual physical part of air? But I want you to an answer this question more specifically with how can someone take this knowledge that all this check life process alchemy is spiritual, apply it to their life to live happier and healthier? Very, very simply. Okay, remember, when you have a big enough dream, you don't need a crisis. Most people run from crisis to crisis, don't they? Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, so you see, if you don't have a North Star on your compass, then you're kind of like a pinball bouncing around in a pinball machine from relationship to relationship to job to job to success to failure, but you're not really paying attention to what's happening you just keep banging into shit and having relationship troubles and lose money and gain money and lose money and get stuck on this drug or, you know, it's just, it's like, it's just kind of like a, a crapshoot. You don't, okay. your, your life is really just a, a matter of existence, but it's not got a sense of direction or flow. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that you got to understand is that what your conscious or unconscious dream goal or objective for yourself is is guiding the choices that you're making. So whatever your story is that you tell yourself about who you are and what your function in the world is and who your people are, if that's not conscious, then you're going to live out your parents and your grandparents and your society's story because that's what you got imprinted with as a child. So the fire element is what's drawing us forward because everything about us our we have why to, our why why is yes. school to make a million dollars why is You're your right so why yes. our, our fire is our why what like for example i'll use my goal i want to be a debt-free multi-millionaire okay why yeah. is that my goal because i want geographical freedom i want to be able to go to the gym all day i want to be able to travel the world and i don't want to have to worry about paying my bills so is that a good long enough why is that is that an accurate fine yes Yes, that's, that's, that's the why, but it's also the source of the energy that produces the process that's the how. Okay, so if someone does not have a clear sense of direction, then you see they don't really draw on the account that spirit has within all of us. Right. Our, our soul's sense of, see, when you're in love and passionate about something, you can draw 
spirit right into you just out of the love and intention of it. I mean, if a mother didn't love her child, she would never make it through the labors of being up all night, breastfeeding, wiping bottoms, fixing sick kids. Mm -hmm. But if you try to do that for somebody else's kid, they're not going to get nearly the level of care that the mother can give because they love their child. So you see, all love comes with responsibility. If you don't love yourself, you don't take care of yourself. You don't for you forego the responsibility to care for your body. If you don't love your partner, you forego the responsibilities to do the work to keep the relationship healthy. Mm-hmm. If you don't love your work, you will not participate in the responsibilities that makes for a craftsman or a true master or someone that does really good work. You'll just be average, right? Jung said the average man can never be successful, and that's the fact. So you see the fire is what is ultimately got to be harnessed what is in your engine fire if you don't steer it you'll crash into shit and that's why jung says if you don't meet your unconscious on the inside it will meet you on the outside in the events of your life and you will call it fate right okay so the fire element is where we get clear to the best of our ability what is it that i want to create in my life now and if you don't know what your dream is, then it's wise to say, what is my nightmare? Because that's where the most of your energy is being trapped. That's stopping you from actually having the ability to free yourself. It's a good question. Yeah. Okay. So if you are if you don't know your dream and your nightmare should become your dream because resolving that liberates the tremendous amount of libido or life force energy that's trapped in all your poor me and your, your, st- your, your little story in your head, right? Right. So- Once you get to the air element, that's where you actually start analyzing and and planning and staging. So you say, okay, I want to be a millionaire. I want this level of freedom. Mm -hmm. I'm this age right now. I make this much money right now. So if I'm going to be intelligent and use the science of goal setting, I'm going to set a goal to increase my income approximately 50% each year. And I'm going to stage it so it's realistically achievable. I'm going to establish values that I have to live by to be that person each day because I can't wait till I get to being a millionaire to behave like a millionaire or I'll never get there, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. have to behave like a millionaire and think like a millionaire and live like a millionaire now. So Dr. Happiness orients to the air element. So once you know what <clears throat> it is that you want to put your fire into, you got your North Star on your compass, then you set values for doctor movement what are you going to put action to doctor diet what are you going to consume physically emotionally mentally and spiritually to feed the process and that's what you're going to embody and doctor quiet how are you going to make sure you have enough introspection time to watch what you're choosing and make sure you're not acting unconsciously and repeating the kind of mistakes that aborted your last attempt at making something and you got to have enough rest to rekindle the fire right okay so Once you have the air element activated and you've put a set of values to it to guide the flow of your spirit so you know how to make dream affirmative choices and stick to dream affirmative values, next you have to emotionalize it. If you don't have enough love to charge that, then the process of changing your old habits into new neural networks will take forever. But research shows in psychology and and brain physiology that whenever we have an emotional charge or a passion or a love that our neural networks reform much more quickly and the more neural uh, the more emotion there is the stronger the neural drive which causes the pathways to become more and more efficient mm-hmm. so with love and passion you can actually override the old pathways much faster 
Okay. So the water element carries the fire and the direction and the conviction into emotion, which then embeds itself or embodies itself each step of the way. You're, you get more money, that's more earth. You, you start building your, your dream house, that's more and more earth. So you take the dream, the plan, emotionalize it, and it starts to build itself right in front of you. And that's literally the process of alchemy happening right in front of you. Yeah. Interesting. That, that's a great way. That's a great way uh, to put it. You know, when I when I talk about goal setting, when I talk about uh, law of attraction and manifestation and self awareness and habit tracking and high performance and optimizing what we're doing and making things seamless and uh, working in state of flow, uh, I always think about like reverse engineering it. So like, yeah, I want to be forty years old and be a debt free millionaire. I got to have my five hundred thousand dollar house paid off. And I got to have $500,000 in stocks or in the bank, whatever. How much is that every single year where I'm at right now? How much do I have to save? Well, I got to make fifteen dollars to $20,000 a month and live on $60,000 a year. And yep. uh, the only way I'm going to make fifteen dollars to $20,000 a month is if I make 60 calls a day. If I have 10 clients that are paying $400 an hour, uh, if I do that for the next four and a half years, when I am 39 and a half years old on June 22nd, 2027, I will be a debt-free millionaire. So it's like, you know, I, I, may, I mean, maybe I take more of like an analytical approach, more of like a scientific approach. I feel like your approach, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure you use my approach as well. And I'm not saying- Oh yeah, yeah, it's woven in there. But you know, I'm, I'm in such a tight time window that, you know, that's what my workshop's for is to show people how to really do this. Right, right. And we're going to talk about that. The uh, Czech Institute, all those people out there, if you want to learn more about Paul Czech, we're not done with this interview yet, but you can go over to checkinstitute.com. That's C-H-E-K institute.com. And uh, you can learn more about the Czech Life Process Alchemy. Now, I want to talk more about mental health. However, physical health is such a big part in our mental health. I have a yeah. lot of clients that come to me. Hey, Zach, I'm anxious. Hey, Zach, I'm depressed. Hey, Zach, I'm addicted to alcohol and cocaine. I don't know what to do. And, yeah. you know, I don't always give them the same answer. And, and my programs are custom tailored to their wants and needs and the way that they respond to the type of support I give them. Because some yeah. clients, you just got to call them a pussy. You know, like me. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm serious. You know, and, and I learn the way they respond to my coaching over time. I don't make a decision in the first, second, third, or fourth session. But yeah. I'm the type of person, Paul, if you say, Zach, you're not making enough money. You're a failure to your family. You're never going to be rich. I'm going to wake up before I am the next day. I'm going to make yeah. 80 dials before 9 a.m. If someone says, Zach, you know, you're doing really good. You should have some compassion for yourself. And, you know, you're already doing really well. You're ahead of everyone else and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, ugh, am I? Yeah. You know, I get soft. Like my, my posture gets weak. So I respond better when someone calls me a pussy. And, and I, <laughs> that's called, that's called a negative motivational strategy in that's, psychology. Hey, that, that, that's how I respond. But uh, yeah. back, back to the point of what we were talking about, I was like, so when people come to me with all these issues, typically I start with how often are you exercising? Yes. Because just walking 10,000 steps a day, just doing 50 push-ups every single day, just going outside for 20 freaking minutes, breathing some fresh air, getting that prana, getting that libido, getting that life force energy is going to change your life in a drastic way. And I, I, I've i seen so many YouTube videos of you talking about physical health. And I know kinesiology is something that you study and that's something that's really important to you. So can you please explain how physical movement, daily exercise, all plays into everything we just discussed? Well, it's a myriad of ways, but you know, I think 
the first thing you got to remember is that the body is a living mirror of the mind. So the way you're exercising is mirroring back to you how the energy of your mind flows and how you manage it. So someone that doesn't do any exercise is either one of two things. They're caught in their head, but they don't know how to get their mind to engage their body, which means they have usually issues with poor self-confidence or low self-esteem. But if you're over-exercising, that means generally that your mind is needing your body to vent your stress, which would be called a neurosis because there's something that you don't know how to deal with inside of yourself that's causing so much psychic stress in you that if you don't exercise constantly, then you'll probably become a very angry person and, and damage a lot of relationships and, and make a fool of yourself. So you see that whenever a person has got um, too much mind, but they don't know how to manage it, then they have to vent it off into exercise. So you have these two extremes, not enough and too much, both of which signify some kind of problem in the mind that hasn't been addressed. So there's a psychological issue, which could be any number of things. But what I'm trying to point out here is if you look at the way people engage exercise, you will actually learn a lot about how their mind engages their body to create the reality that they're in because the, the, the physical body and the things we do in the physical world are like the photographic positive of the film negative that our mind produces. Okay. Okay. So how a person relates to exercise tells you how they relate to their own thoughts, feelings, and emotions and, and what their habits and their tendencies are. Now you got to remember that the mind is not something that has a physical location. It's really a field of activity. Mm -hmm. It's not in the it, brain. It, no, it's not in the brain. It interfaces with the brain. Look, uh, if, if you're watching television and I say, where's the television wave? You can't say, oh, it's coming from north, northeast. It's, it's actually a broadcast that goes in every direction at once, which is called a non-local broadcast. And by tuning to that frequency, the, it, it's almost like, think of it like a lake. The television broadcast is like a lake and your radio is like a straw and you suck water through the straw and you can hear me and you talking on this metaphorical radio show. But if you use a straw that's got a different size, that would be like a different station, mm. right? So the mind is actually interfacing with the brain like a radio, and the brain is then not only the mind, but all your chakras. You see, your chakras are what step mind down in from the mental level to the astral level, which is our emotional level, and also is where our mind takes action on our body, which then steps down into the etheric field, which is the field of energy created by all the biochemistry in our body, the electromagnetic energy of our body. And so it steps down into the chakras from there into the hormonal glands, and the hormones turn out to be the molecule that actually interfaces the invisible mental activity or waves with the physical stimuli that produces the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that we experience. For example, if I increase your testosterone, it's going to make you a lot more aggressive. But if I increase your estrogen, it's going to make you a lot more feminine, a lot more uh, soft and receptive and less uh, aggressive. Okay. Yeah. So if I take any one of every one of those hormones actually has an emotional effect on you. So the thoughts that we have that we can't see come not only through the chakra system, but through the brain and the whole body. And every thought produces an emotional reaction, which gives us the ability to feel what we're thinking. Right. Which heal our emotions. Physiology, the hormones and things like that. Yes, so exactly. Thoughts create emotions and emotions 
change the physiology in our body. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Because the thoughts and the emotions couple themselves with the hormonal elements, which then tell the body what's what it is it's supposed to be right. feeling right now. And we and we choose what we want to believe. Uh, well, we do until, only when we are aware that we have beliefs that aren't serving us. So until then, you don't have free will. Only when you right. can ask, is it really true? Is what my mother told me about God going to burn me in hell or the church told me God's going to burn me in hell for touching my genitals? Is that really true? See, until you until you question those thoughts and come to the answer on your own, through your own investigation, you're just acting out your programming. So you're really like a robot. Right. And robots don't have free will. They're under complete control. Do you feel like a lot of American citizens are being programmed right now by the media and the government? Does a bear shit in the woods? Okay, tell me why that's the case. Let's let's focus well, on media, actually. This is, this can be an interesting topic. I, I don't want to pivot it too much, but I kind of want to get into this with you. Why do you think that the media is programming American citizens to get them to do exactly what they want them to do, which what is does to be the media? What does the media want them to do? The media ultimately wants you to take COVID vaccinations and make yourself sick and die. Let's, let's so, throw COVID so that, out of this. Let's throw COVID out of this. Okay. That, that's one situation. What does the media want the American citizens to do? To put money in the hands that they want it to go in so that they have more power and the ability to continue to control everything. Okay. Who's they and who do they want to put the money in the pockets of? Well, they works out to be the people that own the media corporations themselves, which then are the ones that have the greatest influence on our educational institutions, our governments. So it's people like Google. It's people like um, the World Economic Forum. It's DARPA. It's uh, BlackRock. It's uh, families behind them that are secret and are hard to get information on. The Rockefellers we know about, the Carnegies we know about. There's a whole list of them. So all you got to do is look at the corporations that have the most money in the world and okay. you'll see what they've invested in. And just track, look at the book, Oneness Versus the 1% by Von Donna Shiva. She shows you exactly where Bill Gates has his money and what he's doing with it and how he's ripping people off constantly by lying to them to get them to conform to filling his bank account and giving him more power over you. Okay, so so you believe that BlackRock and Bill Gates and all, the, all those people you talk about, their sole motivation is money. Their sole motivation is money, power, and control. Uh, control, okay, and they want to yeah. control us because they want more money. They want more money, they want more power. They they These are basically like emperors and tyrants yeah. that never settle until they have everything. And even then, they're, they're not happy. And the problem is, as I say to people all the time, if you study the history of emperors and kings, they always keep trying to expand their territory, which leads to war. So even when they join each other, eventually they have to turn against each other because they all have such an insatiable appetite that they cannot have shared control. So this is the ancient history of the son of the king yeah. is the greatest threat to the king because the son always wants to think, do things differently than his dad. So the, right. the, the, the king's greatest risk of getting killed was always his own son. Okay, so what you see, my point is, this is a disease that certain people have and it's an insatiable appetite for power, control, and money because they're not happy until they have everything. Right. The problem is the more they have, the more they have to start 
taking over the people that once helped them. And so you can get to the point where you end up in a world war. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're on the brink of world war right now. We really are. We're, we're already in one. It's called a fifth generation warfare. It's PSYOP. Yeah. What's PSYOP? It means it's a psychological operation to brainwash people to get them to uh, do exactly what you want them to do. Because if you want to take over their resources, you can't start dropping atomic bombs or you'll destroy everything that you're trying to take from them. Right. And wh what do they want us to do? They want us to be subservient right. and they want to get rid of a lot of us because they think of us as useless eaters, sheep, rats, and vermin. Right. And they want us dependent on them. They want us completely and utterly dependent on them, but they also want to experiment on us because right. they're all mad scientists that want to see how much control they can get, which just feeds their ego. And they want us sick and they want us to have diseases. Because that's highly profitable. Right. That's why that's why the education, you know, that's why you go look at what it takes to be a dietitian. You learn how to feed people crap. Most yeah. nutritionists don't have a clue how the soil works. They don't know anything about farming. So how can you be a nutritionist if you don't even know where food comes from or how the soil works? That's complete horseshit. Right. Right. So you see all these major university corporate uh, programs are all funded by the very corporations that want to railroad you into thinking a certain way because it produces tons of disease, which makes you highly profitable to them because they create the disease and they offer you the drugs and the pills and the surgeries of for course. the solution, right? See, if you create a fuel shortage, you know, everybody's going to pay a lot more money for fuel. So you just pretend there's not enough fuel and you can triple the price of your fuel and nobody can do anything about it. But if everybody knew you had you know, 20 billion gallons of fuel and you were playing the game, then they wouldn't fall for it so easily, but they still have to come up with fuel. So you see, once you get enough power over the main resources that a society needs on, then you have total control over it. And if you make people tired, sick, weak, and um, insecure by feeding them junk, not paying them enough, and creating an environment where it's hard to succeed, then they don't have any fire left in them to, uh, to, to resist you. And if you get rid of all the enlightened people by calling them... Um, people that are telling lies and censor them like you know mercola and all the ones that tell the truth then you knock out the leaders that inspire people so mm -hmm. you know as a i was a paratrooper in the 82nd airborne division look the first thing they teach you in battlefield strategy training is there's two things you got to do to take over an enemy knock out their communications and cut off their food supply well, what have the global elites been doing forever? Controlling our communication, censoring them, spying on us constantly and making us pay for it and poisoning our food supply so that we don't have enough energy and vitality to mount a resistance. So they've been staging what's going on right now for a hundred years. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, I'm telling you this and my audience is going to learn this about me too. I, you know, I don't talk about politics. I don't talk about, you know, vaccines. I don't talk about anything like that. I talk about personal growth and self-development and, you know, people can make their own choice. Right. But I, well, that is, that is personal growth and self-development. So, you know, if you take those things out of the mix, then you've taken out the most important things of life. So if to talk about personal growth and self-development, you got to talk about the resistance. Just like when you go to the gym, if you, you go to the gym and say, I'm not going to talk about weightlifting or, or resistance, then you're not talking about exercise. So you got to look at what is causing psychological resistance because that's how you either grow or you get squashed. Right. You know, and at the end of the day, people are going to make their own choices. Sure. Right? That's and, and I don't I don't want to, you know, get on my podcast or go on my Instagram and and tell people whether they should get vaccinated or not. Just like 
I no, made my you own just choice. teach them teach them how to think. They're gonna make their own choice, right? Well, t- and that's why we talk about consciousness, right? That's how we talked about you know thoughts create emotions, and emotions change your physiology. Yeah, we also were talking about how physical health exercise is really important as well. But when we talk yeah. about the media and things, the media and the news, whether it's CNN, whether it's Fox News, they're both equally evil. What you know, they're both trying to just control us to put more money in the elite's pockets, which yes. I agree with. I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with most of the things that you're saying, but what can the people that are listening do to get accurate information? Well, you have to find people that have a history of telling the truth, like Robert F. Kennedy, Children's Health Defense Newsletter, Sayer G. Just look at all the people that got censored, the big 12 that got attacked. They're the ones telling the truth. That's exactly why they knocked him out. Naomi Wolf, they knocked her right out for telling the truth. So all you got to do is look at who is being blackballed for telling the truth, and then you know who to go listen to. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. And it's tough. They, they, they take away their platforms, right? I mean... Why did they kill Robert F. Kennedy? Because he told the truth about stuff they didn't want you to know about. Why did they kill Martin Luther King? Because they didn't want you having a spiritual relationship. It makes people too strong. Right. Why did they kill Abraham Lincoln? Well, a number of reasons, but he wanted to free the slaves, and they didn't like that. And, you know, a, a, as you're saying on this, it, it's, it's really... Um discouraging because I am never I am never going to have the courage of Martin Luther Dr. Martin Luther King I'm never going to have the courage of Abraham Lincoln I'm never going to have the courage of these people to speak the truth and it's like what do I do now and this is getting a little personal now. I'm like what do I do now you know I believe a lot of the things you're saying I really do and I believe that the media is crooked and evil I do and if what you're saying is the truth that Dr. Martin Luther King and, and Abraham Lincoln were killed because they were telling the because they were telling the truth and they were they had integrity and courage and they were standing up for what they believed in and they still couldn't get it done. What the fuck am I supposed to do? Well, they did get it done. The slaves got freed and black well, rights. Look where we are. Look where we are, though. Right, but that's remember. You see, here's a concept that you really need to grab a hold of as a young man. You're in Earth school. This is a spirit gym. Consciousness cannot exist without two polarities. Consciousness is a psychic substance produced not blindly, but in living awareness of opposites. You can't have good without bad. You can't have male without female. You can't have um, light without dark, inside without outside, north without south. So in order for spirit or God to be conscious of itself, it has to generate these two polarities. Good has no meaning without evil. That's a good point. So we're in a field that is actually a field of action in which we confront the polarities of consciousness and each of us is given a chance to decide what moral values and what ethical principles we will use to live and die for and you're not a warrior until you know what you're willing to die for until then you're still a child looking for what it is that you value enough to give your life to and that's what those men were they knew what they valued enough to give their life to. And that's why they're heroes. And we're all on the hero's journey. And the hero's journey is to liberate yourself from tyranny, to liberate yourself from your own story and your own self-imposed limitations, and to come into contact with reality. Yeah. Until you come face to face with reality, you never know what the truth is. You never know who you are. You never even know why you're here. Right. But the ultimate reality is God unconditional love cannot know itself unless it creates conditions by which it can love itself unconditionally. So at the end of the day, 
we all have the freedom of choice to align ourselves with evil or align ourselves with good, but we have to establish what is good and is what's good for me good for everybody. Mm -hmm. So the question I ask myself is, what would love do now? What would love do now when someone's trying to force me to follow a medical procedure that I don't think is safe or good? Well, love would defend its family and love would tell the truth at any expense. Or I'm not a warrior yet. I don't know what is important and therefore I'm easy to control because I don't have a sense of direction or values. Yeah. That's why all children in tribal societies had to go through initiation into manhood to become a warrior because if you didn't get to the point where you could sacrifice yourself for the tribe then you were still a child and you were actually um you were a burden on the tribe because the tribe can't afford to hunt and, f and feed and care for somebody that doesn't contribute to the sustainability and the thriving of the tribe or the tribe will burn out yeah so the, these are the stages we all are going through, whether we know it or not. This is earth school. This is where we come to learn who and what we really are. And as we learn more and more and we embody it, then our, our spiritual sphere expands. So spirituality can be defined as a progressively greater sphere of awareness. Yeah. Right? So as you grow in awareness, you, you don't just think about yourself, you think about others. Then you don't just think about the others that you love, you think about the people of the world. And then you realize that the world couldn't be here without the sun. So you realize you're a citizen of the solar system. Then you realize that you have to be a citizen of the galaxy because the sun's part of the galaxy and the galaxy's part of the universe. So you come to the realization that whoever and whatever I am was produced by the entire universe. And then you have to say, well, what made the universe? Well, it's this thing we call God. If, if you want to go scientifically, it's pure potential. But obviously it's conscious because it creates life and it creates form that also carries the qualities of God, which is creativity, intelligence, the capacity to make decisions, the capacity to think, the capacity to feel, the capacity to love, the capacity to divide, the capacity to destroy. Those are all the qualities of God. Without those, God could never know itself. Yeah. Yeah. A lot to think about here, man. And, uh, you know, you you did explain that extremely well. You articulate your thoughts beautifully. And uh, it was it was great having you on this podcast today. I think uh, my audience is going to learn a lot from this. And if there's one lesson that they can take from my conversation today with Paul Check, it's uh, to make your own decisions and think. Think for yourself. Think for yourself. Don't blindly follow CNN or Fox News. Okay? No, and here's the key question. Remember... Please. Very quickly, Steiner's model of the soul is, to give it to you quickly, to make a key point, the mineral soul. Steiner says anything with an inside or an outside has a soul. The mineral soul evolves to be the biological soul. That's where we get plant life, tree life, and everything that supports animal life. So a child has a mineral soul. That's where you get your bones and your teeth from and your structure from. Then you have a biological soul. That's called your instincts and the wisdom of your body or your subconscious mind. And then you develop an intellectual soul, okay? That's what forms the ego. In order to have free will, your ego is created by other people. If you ask yourself, of all the thoughts and ideas in your head, how many of them are authentically yours, and you tried to track them back to the people that taught you about money or about finance or about how to exercise, you would see that 98 to 99% of the ideas in your head that you think of as your own actually are given to you by somebody else and your own 
inner process is just using them like a calculator or a computer uses software. In order to have free will, you have to evaluate what you thought was your own ideas. And it's easy to do when they start causing pain. And a lot of the things our parents and society teaches us causes us pain. And so Steiner says that your awareness soul begins to emerge the day you ask, is it really true? Is the medical system really looking after me and my interests? When you answer that honestly, then you start creating freedom because now you can see the truth. Is the government really looking after me and my interests and everybody else's interests? Well, just look at the history of it. Study it and you'll say yes or no. And that will be what's true for you. So you have to grow awareness of what is true based on your beliefs as they mix or conflict with reality. And then as your belief system gets modified by you through your own choice, then you know what you're fighting for. Then you know what's important to you because now you're living your truth and your beliefs, not somebody else's. Yep. Okay. So that's the hero's journey. And that's the task of the warrior is to decide what is and isn't true. So I know when I lay my line, life on the line, I'm fighting for something that's not only good for me, but it's good for my people and it's good for everybody. Or it's probably not worth dying for, mm -hmm. right? Dying in a fist fight because someone squeezed your girlfriend's ass is not a good idea because you could probably solve that with negotiation or learning to do martial arts and just choke them out until the cops get there. But killing someone for that, it's not worth it. But killing somebody because they broke into your house with a shotgun and they're about to kill you to take your food and money, that's worth dying for. Defending your country against another country. I joined the army because I thought we were under the attack by the Russians. I joined the army during Grenada and the Cuban Missile Crisis because you know, the Cuba is not very far from the United States and they were setting up, you know, rocket launchers for intercontinental ballistic type missiles that could hit us. So I said, I can't let that happen. I don't want my family to die or anyone to die in a nuclear blast. So I joined the military and became a paratrooper so I could go defend what I believed in, which is the United States of America and moral and ethical rights that we should not kill people just because we don't like them, right? So- <laughs> Uh, once you develop an awareness soul, then you evolve to the creative soul. Then you start to get past just survivability, right or wrong, who am I, what am I doing, to how can I be creative and add more love and beauty to the world mm. and make it better for all living beings. Wow. Okay. Then you grow to have an intuitive soul, which means that you don't actually rely on your thinking processes because now you realize that you are one with the mind of the universe or the mind of God. And anything that you want to solve, all you got to do is ask the question and be brave enough to sit still for long enough to receive the answer, but be very clear within yourself so that you're not afraid to receive the answer. Because if you're too afraid to hear the truth, you'll always block it. So by the time you get to the development of the intuitive soul, you've lived enough life and you've become honest enough with yourself to be able to handle the truth as a real adult and a real warrior. Mm -hmm. Then you go from the intuitive soul to spirit soul union. That's where you begin to have experiences of becoming one with all that is. Those are called legitimate enlightenment experiences or mystical experiences. And then you realize the truth of why it's all here and why it is this way. And then it's easier to deal with because the worst thing that will happen to you is that you'll die and you'll be one with the truth of yourself, which will be one with everything because we all come from the same ocean. You know, Rumi says, you are not a drop of the ocean. 
you are the ocean in a drop. And that's the truth. Love it. All right, so now we're going to play a quick little game before we hop off the podcast today. I'm going to say uh, a term. It's a either biohacking term, health term, food source, uh, some form of radiation. And I just want a quick, quick, good, bad, overhyped, underhyped, extremely dangerous, not that dangerous. Just want to get quick, quick, couple word answers, okay? We're going to spit fire. I'll, I'll do my best. Okay, cold plunge. Very good idea. Yoga. Good idea for most people. Intermittent fasting. Good idea for most people. HGH. Not a good idea for most people because you should learn how to create it yourself. I'm 61 and I haven't used any of that kind of shit and I never need to. Nice. Ice cream. Um, make sure it's certified organic and you don't have dairy intolerance. Okay. Red light therapy. Uh, potentially very good. Be careful that you're using uh, bulbs that don't emit too much electromagnetic pollution or you're making one benefit and stepping backwards with another one. Okay. EMF radiation. Very dangerous. Be more aware of it and start thinking about the effects on your health and listen to my podcast that I did with the founder of uh, Q-Link. Okay. Uh, or uh, what are they called? Oh, I'm brain farting right now, but I have a whole podcast with the- Living uh, in 4D with Paul Check. That's the podcast, right? Yeah, living in living living 4D with Paul Check. It's Dimitri Dimitri Sor Sor or Soros. Dimitri okay. Soroff, I believe he's the founder of. Um, I'm just it's late in the day. I get up at three thirty in the morning, so I'm pretty tired right now. Um, anyhow, it's this technology. Yeah, EMF um, radiation blocker. Yeah, very very high end technology. Dimitri Soroff. I like that. It's all in there. Okay, next one: blue light exposure. Um, stressful to your brain hormonal system nervous system and disrupts your ability to sleep and therefore uh leads you more likely to be broken down inflamed and tired okay cbd that's why i'm wearing these glasses <laughs> right me too me too cbd yeah. oil uh very good if you get a clean source very toxic if you don't okay yogurt um very beneficial on many levels as long as it's certified organic and your body doesn't have a reaction to dairy which a huge percentage of people do right i'm one of those people we only got four more here we go coffee use very sparingly and make sure that it's not supplementing for a lack of discipline to get to bed on time or you'll just burn yourself out psilocybin um very healing very capable of inducing higher states of conscious awareness but in the wrong hands potentially dangerous masturbation um something that we should all embrace to learn to take responsibility for pleasuring ourselves so we don't become codependent and needy in relationships. Interesting. And last one is alcohol. Uh, one of the most dangerous addictive drugs in the world and far less effective and good for you than marijuana. Okay. Oh, 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 actually I was going to say marijuana. Uh, again, outdoor ground, organic soil, sunlight, uh, very, very good. But the thing with marijuana is you got to be careful that you don't, um, become too passive because it makes people very um, overly relaxed and tend to procrastinate a lot. Yeah. So I connected to the spirit of the marijuana plant and said, if you have a message for humanity, what is it? Because of all the problems with marijuana and the spirit of the marijuana plant said this to me, look at what I teach you. Don't just stand there, grow. Interesting. And last one, Adderall. Uh, Adderall, I forgot what that is. It's a drug. It's like a Ritalin, Vivance, a lot of college kids take it to focus, amphetamines. 
uh, that's a compensation for not having four doctors. <laughs> right. Okay. All right, Paul Check. Thank you so much for your time today. This was an awesome conversation. Uh, to all the people out there listening on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave a review, an honest review. We recommend five stars. And I will drop the link to Paul Check's socials, his website, his podcast, and more in the podcast notes. Thank you guys so much. And I will see you guys on another episode of the Live Better Now podcast. Lots of love. <laughs>